0: calling this morning's word power love and an ordered mind 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of an ordered mind. when Paul writes this letter to Timothy he himself had been abandoned by many of his associates and he's suffering in jail, like a criminal, for preaching the gospel. And Timothy is suffering in the church in Ephesus because of the opposition and criticism towards his own ministry. Paul had commissioned Timothy to care for the church in Ephesus, which he himself had founded, and he had established it, and he knew well the strengths and the weaknesses of that church, and he knew the pressures of the opposition that Timothy was under. So he encourages Timothy and identifies with him, saying, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And in saying us, he's talking not only about himself, but to all of us who also embrace the truth of the gospel, the gospel of Christ in us and us in him, the gospel that Paul preached everywhere he went. Now, that message of the simplicity of Christ was being opposed then, and it's still being opposed today. That gospel of Christ was the foundation of our society's tradition, and it formed its moral and ethical and relational integrity for centuries. But Over recent generations, our Western society gradually became indifferent to the gospel message. And in recent times, very recent times societies has become quite hostile to that message but Paul's counsel to Timothy was not to fear but to be strong and to trust in the faithfulness of God towards him and in the next verse verse 8 Paul tells Timothy not to be ashamed of that gospel nor of his association with Paul because he was suffering in prison for the gospel These are days in which people can be looked down on just because they go to church. That gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. And in this same passage of scripture, Paul writes, this is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day, what has been entrusted to me. So we're living in times when things have come to a deadlock in many spheres of our global society, in politics, for a start. If we look at the the global powers that be, we see that in those larger nations, people in the populations of those nations have generally lost some confidence in their leaders. We think particularly of the United States at this moment. There's Russia, UK, Europe, and China, and even us. We look at the, the deadlock, things sort of not moving forward, stuck in finances, in education, in relational integrity, in communication between people, in emotional well-being. And in the spiritual influence of the church, something seems to have stopped. I had this picture of a a huge machine, everything well-oiled and moving along, going on year after year, and then suddenly things started to lock, creak and shudder and come to a halt. So that's a sign that God is allowing things to stop so that there can be a new beginning because he never stops. So he moves, and he is moving in the midst of all this. There's a power struggle in the heavens over those areas that I mentioned. But God is moving forward and overcoming darkness. And many of God's people are moving forward with him in their own lives. So be encouraged. We've not seen yet what God is doing by his spirit to overcome. But it is happening in God, in the earth. As God said to Moses and to Israel at the crossing of the Red Sea, stand still and see the salvation of your God. There are things happening in the spirit. There's an overcoming of God over the darkness. So we are to stand firm in God. When Israel heard that word the Bible says by faith they crossed on dry land Israel's faith actively moved them forward and God stopped everything else but he brought them forward into his purposes and I believe we're seeing a year of that for God's people be encouraged When we embrace the moving of the Spirit of God within us, we move forward from a place, as Israel were told, stand still and see the salvation of your God. You can't make things happen, but you can be ready to move. The scepter, the rod of Moses, was held over that Red Sea and it parted and they went over on dry land. God's holding his rod over things, his authority. And God's people are going to move forward. Be ready. God will have you move as he prompts you into the wisdom and the faith that he's placed in your heart. The grace of God creates these gifts within our spirit. There's a witness in the spirit. This is time to make that decision or not that decision. There's a movement started by the Spirit. We respond to that. We move forward from that place of stillness and waiting. Now, the church in Ephesus, Paul's writing to Timothy in that church, that had been beset with power struggles because of false teachers that had infiltrated the church and confused the people. And Paul had written to the church in Ephesus warning them of this when he wrote... Himself to not just Timothy but to the church itself in Ephesians chapter 4 he said look be careful there are some strange doctrines around and if we look around in the world today and there are things on the internet or wherever we see that if Paul was here he'd be writing that same thing be careful would you take a hold of but in this letter to Timothy he warns him of the same thing and he tells Timothy to speak up he says to him Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will want to hear according to their own desires. And because they have itching ears, they will heap up teachers for themselves. And they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. The Greek word for fables means fiction and myth, fictional faith fantasies. And they're on offer today for people. Paul's telling Timothy the same thing. You see, Paul had looked after the church in Ephesus for three years. That's in Acts chapter 19 and 20. And during that time, there were many signs and wonders done by him. There were also many false signs and wonders done by sorcerers, and other false teachers, but Paul's teaching prevailed. We read it in Acts 19, verse 16. Many of those who had practised magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. That was in Ephesus. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, I don't know what that would be in today's currency. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Be encouraged. The word of the Lord is going to grow mightily in you as you get into the word, as you, from a place of stillness and saying to the Lord, speak to me, Lord, in what I'm reading. The Holy Spirit will ignite that flame of the desire to know the word of God. Not simply the written word, but the word that comes to you personally. Be waiting for that. Then Paul, finally, when he was about to leave the church, he called for the elders of the church. And when they'd come to him, he encouraged them and he warned them, saying, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That's Acts chapter 20. We see in the world around us today that God is exposing a lot of things. He's exposing things that have been spoken in the name of the Lord but are not necessarily of the Lord. Prophetic utterances. Some of them are of such a variety, almost like predictions, rather than encouragements for God's people. But God is going to sort that out and he's going to be speaking his word into your life. So in the light of all this, Paul writes to Timothy in Ephesus that God has not given him a spirit of fear but had given him a spirit of power and of love and of an ordered mind. The power of the world that was coming from some people in Ephesus was human power over people. But the power of God through Timothy was Holy Spirit power for people. Jesus said to his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So receiving the Holy Spirit is an attitude of faith in the working of God towards us and in us and through us. If you're challenged by certain obstacles in your life, you want to move forward and there are things, it could be anxiety and fear in yourself. It could be things that those that you love are burdened by and you don't see them moving. Then ask For the Holy Spirit to empower you you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then trust and believe that he is working in that situation he doesn't stop moving ever but he asks us to be in a a receiving attitude for the power of the Holy Spirit you've not received the spirit of fear but of power that's that power of the Holy Spirit But Paul also taught Timothy, and he teaches us, that we won't know power unless we're extending God's love. It's faith that works by love. The kingdom power that always extends itself out from God within us. And Paul writes about this in other letters. In 2 Corinthians, he says, the love of Christ controls us. That power, any kind of power, is the ability to change something from a lower state of energy to a higher state that's what power does something winds down that can't move power comes in and there's a new energy and it lifts it from one state to another of being or of movement or of effectiveness but with us in our prayer through the holy spirit what god does he actually raises the energy the spiritual energy within us and the faith of god that's come to us by the holy spirit works out through our soul bringing the peace bringing the faith bringing the understanding in the mind and the physical body is affected by that in a positive way it is amazing how god has placed the body together We've been speaking recently about how things can get in the mind and get jammed and we go into a downward spiral and our thinking gets confused. But when the Word of God comes and we hang on to that, another pathway of, of neurons in our brain forms of what you call the go-to place for our thinking rather than depending upon that thought or that attitude of anxiety or whatever it might be that got us stuck And going back to that stuck position all the time, God creates another pathway because the truth and the life that comes when we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit to create those things in us, that actually changes things in the brain. That is the spirit through the soul affecting the body. And that becomes part of the renewing of the spirit of the mind. That's God's love for us. That's where sin gets transformed into holiness, anxiety into peace, sorrow into joy, and fear into love. So that's the spirit of power. Paul said to Timothy, you haven't received the spirit of fear. He is the spirit of power. This is what it will do. Spirit, soul, and body. Then there's the spirit of love. It is by experiencing the love of God to us that we can feel Empowered. It changes us dramatically. Surrender to his will as we receive God's love with trust and thanks to him in whatever situation we find ourselves. And we then observe how God dramatically changes the world around us. We become united with God's mind and heart of love and mercy rather than acting for a place of judgment. This is something that you experience deep within in your soul. If a person checks their attitude and think, ah, well, they've done this to me, this is payback time. It's far better to check your heart and say, is your love in this, Lord? Is your mercy in this? And once we become still and say, Holy Spirit, let your love, your mercy and your grace touch my attitude of mind and my heart. I'm receiving your love now, Lord, because you never stop giving that. Even though I might be being unfaithful here and getting into a wrong attitude, I know that doesn't stop you from loving me. So the first go-to is, I'm receiving your love. Thank you, Lord. As that comes, you say, well, that love is not just for me. That's obviously for the people that I should be releasing your love into, whether you agree with those people or not. When that begins to flow, there is a change in your disposition. Something changes within. And you know what the the love that you release does? It empowers you to feel that you're above that situation, that God is looking after it. You're working with God because he's reordering all things that are out of order and you're just becoming a partner with him into that situation. And you get lifted above it. It's not complicated. It's just a decision that's very difficult sometimes for our attitude <laughs> to make the change. <laughs> all right, Lord, I'll do it your way. And there you are. And you think, well, that made me feel good. I felt empowered. But you know what else? It changes things. Things around you change. And you ask yourself later, how did that happen? God says it was easy. I did it because it was you and me working together with the same power coming from the same love. The scripture describes this place of faith like this. You'll be children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights in the world as you hold forth the word of life that's philippians 2. i just want to read to you some extracts from lamentations chapter 3 starting from verse 17 and i'm going to read one at the end of of that uh, chapter in verse 58 where jeremiah the suffering prophet just like paul was the suffering apostle and timothy was a, a suffering timothy we have jeremiah the suffering prophet And he laments about giving God's word to Israel and almost giving up as he thought he was going nowhere. He says, nothing's happening. Everything's ground to a halt. I'm going to stop. But then he remembers God's loyal lover. Listen to his heart. See if you identify with some of this. I've forgotten what the good life is like, I said to myself. This is it. I'm finished. God is a lost cause. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. How well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the one who passionately waits, to the one who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing to stick it out through the hard times. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard, in throwing roadblocks in the way. Lord, you came close when I called out. You said, it's going to be all right. You brought me back alive. God, you saw the wrongs heaped on me. You took my side, Master. Now that sums up just about everything I've said. But there's Jeremiah the prophet. They're immortal words. They've been going on for thousands of years and they'll go right through until the Lord comes back. But there's, there's God's person. So then the next thing, we've had not a spirit of fear but of power and of love. We've just seen Jeremiah lifted up by that love. And then we have the spirit of an ordered mind. Paul teaches us that the mind is the battleground of darkness, where Satan causes people's thinking to get entangled with anxious emotional reactions and wrong perceptions. Did you ever realize how wrong you were when you made a judgment on something? I know what they're thinking. You find out later on, I was totally wrong. It's a 180 degrees turn. I'm sorry, Lord, I got that wrong. Yeah, well, there's something, an imagination in your mind that I know. So you're in reaction before you even did know. People get stuck and they're unable to move forward because a disordered mind with a reactive perception of situations obstructs heaven's power. But Paul had taught Timothy the truth of the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives to change us by reordering the spirit of our minds. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare are not of human power but of divine power to destroy strongholds. They're those things that get caught in the mind, even in the brain. The pathways that lodge there and become a habit of a reaction but he says our weapons aren't of human power but have divine power to destroy strongholds casting down imaginations wrong perceptions that's what an imagination is we imagine (laughs) something and get it wrong (laughs) by acknowledging habits of emotional reactivity and surrendering the reactive perceptions of our imagination to God We destroy strongholds in the mind of wrong pathways of thought. Toss them out. And we rise up into the new life of an ordered mind, into a new pathway of freedom. We build that highway of the mind of Christ in our own minds and release the power of love from our hearts of faith and that saves and heals the souls in the lives of the people in our world. Amen.